welcome to Interdisciplinary. This is season eight or the season of the switch. We're diving into all the complexities of what is known as code switching. And if you're wondering what that is, stay with us. Uh, this is the podcast where we say the quiet parts loud and we uh, do what we can to help humans take better care of humans, including themselves. Uh, we are really excited to share with you the news of our newest sponsor, ABMP. Corey, take it away. ABMP, Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals, is proud to sponsor the interdisciplinary podcast from Healwell. That's us. Membership with ABMP offers comprehensive liability insurance, along with meaningful resources and support that make a difference in your career, including free CE in the ABMP Education Center, quick reference apps like Five Minute Muscles, Pocket Pathology, and Pocket Suite Scheduling and Booking Software, and the inspirational Massage and Bodywork Magazine. Discover why members expect more and get more at abmp.com. Woo, big fans of ABMP. They push us, we push them. All of the conversations are happening. And uh, thank you, ABMP. The moment you've all been waiting for, today's pun. What's the difference between ignorance and indifference? I don't know, and I don't care. Ah. <laughs> oh, Classic. <yeah. laughs> Classic. Nice. That so we got the whole brain trust in the house today. Yeah, I feel like I wanted to, I wanted us to introduce this as today, a very special interdisciplinary. <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime television for queers. Oh, wait. <laughs> uh, uh, radio, radio for queers. <laughs> That's right. Radio. Yes. Um, Carrie, lead us in, man. Well, I, I, you know, we have had all of these conversations uh, leading up to this season and during this season of uh, talking about code switching. And one of the things that uh, will probably not surprise listeners to know, but listeners may not know, is that we have a staff meeting every week um, that is an amazing unmeeting meeting. It's kind of like we have group therapy once a week. Um, <laughs> and then we, uh, we end with some action items. Uh, so Sprinkled with deliverables. <laughs> um, and so as we've been talking about code switching on the podcast, I feel like all of us have been sort of thinking and talking about code switching in our own lives and with each other. And we, at Monday's meeting, we had a sort of a couple revelations, I will say, that happened. And we thought, man, these are the kind of conversations that we hope we are inspiring in other people and that we also want others to have with us. And so we thought we'd bring it to you guys um, in a sort of raw form, the the conversation that the five of us are having together about our own code switching and about what parts of you show up at work, are allowed to show up at work, are welcome at work, even if your work is pretty awesome? What do you guys think? Is that a fair description of what we're planning to talk about today? Very fair. Yeah. 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 Yep. Thank you for that. Yeah. I, I feel like I should jump in as the, um, I don't know if I was the main revelator, but one of them. <laughs> um, it's my fault. It's all my fault. Um, As so many things are. I know, right? <laughs> Good Lord. If y'all learned anything from our education department, it's it's not because of me. Um, lies. All lies. <laughs> um, yeah, because I've been thinking about this, like I've been thinking about this daily since even before we started this season, we had, I think I'd uh, referenced in our first episode we had kind of a slack channel channel conversation about like what is code switching and um do basically my concern was do white people get to call the changes that they make in their demeanor and manner of speech and whatever do they get to call that code switching because it is um a phenomenon that is often a part of adapting um to a culture where your uh, your identity group is minoritized or oppressed in some way, um, 
And I still have that question. I, I will continue to have that question all season. And um, so this will come up again, y'all, for any episode where I happen to be speaking out loud. Because it came up to, for me hard again when I was um, listening to Gabby's episode to get it ready. Um, that will be the episode that y'all heard last week. Um, and there was a part of the conversation where Gabby was talking about uh, adaptations that she makes in speaking to her mother um, so that her mother doesn't feel bad. Um, that's a, my paraphrase of the, the way that conversation was. And, and I said something about what, what sounds like you're code switching out of compassion, that this is an act of compassion that you're doing to keep your mother from feeling bad. And later I thought about it and I was like, First of all, I just told someone what they're feeling, which is never okay. <laughs> and secondly, is that even code switching? Um, it, it, which made me think again about our staff meeting, because what I said, and I'll say it on the podcast, is that I was realizing how much I code switch at work with you all, who are people who I actually trust and love and, you know, outside of Healwell um, and what that means for life in general. Well, and it's so interesting because when you said that, the rest of us just sort of like, we were on a Zoom call, so I know I could see everybody's face and everybody sort of looked stricken. And it was a really interesting moment because I I feel like you don't get a lot of opportunities to in real time, in a sort of work environment, honestly, even in a social environment, to, to get a piece of information like that and to, to sort of digest it with other people. I feel like often that's a, this, and again, I, I hate to keep calling it a revelation, but it did feel sort of revelatory. Um, this, this thing that you said, I feel like it was so honest and personal that it's, I feel like it's rare that you ever get that to hear that in a group of people. I feel like that's a one-on-one -on -one kind of thing. If you get that at all from people. And it was just really interesting that our assumption immediately was what you're saying is you have to hide who you are. You don't feel safe with us. You don't get to be you here. And it was just so interesting to watch that happen <laughs> and to watch us. I felt like I could watch each of us tell a story right away, try to stop that story, try to interrupt and just be still and listen while the story still raged. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it was interesting to me, and I got permission from Harry to tell you all this. Um, so Harry, who will be our guest next week, and who is also my person, we were talking about, uh, we had gone to the grocery store, and he generally has a lot more energy than I do, is very, like, out there. And, like, we talk about if, if our life was Winnie the Pooh, I would be Winnie the Pooh, and he would be Tigger. You know, so it's... <laughs> Um, and it, and it's beautiful. And, and we were talking about like the difference in our energy levels and we had been talking about code switching and he said, yeah, so, so I code switch with you with my energy levels. And I had the same reaction that you all had. And I was like, wait, but we're each other's person. Does this mean, do we have to break up now? I mean, what, what does this mean? Um, and that's not what it means. You know, what it means is, um, what I think ultimately led, led me to say what I, I now feel is problematic in the podcast with, with Gabby, what I, what it is for us is it's a way of us showing our love for each other and that, you know, we're creating a space where we can um, see who needs to be what part of themselves and allow that to happen. Um, but is, is that code switching is my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the other thing that I think is interesting, do you mind Rebecca's also saying sort of how you clarified when, when we said, what, you know, what do you, what does that mean? How does it feel like you're code switching? Will you say what you said then? Because I think that leads to my next question about, is it code switching? 
<laughs> okay. Um, I think this is what you're talking about. Uh, tell me if it's not, and I'll edit. Um, so what I said was that that there's uh, it's similar to now I see it as similar to the conversation that I have with Harry. Like there's an energy in this group that comes from what I call New Jersey. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is is very quick and very fast and processes fast and has something has an answer and has um, is really quick with with something uh, uh, something clever and making connections and I don't process that way um, so it often feels like unless I can say something that's really clever and astonishing that I should not say anything at all um, and I acknowledge that that a lot of that comes from my own shit it's not something that i that i feel is directed towards me um it comes from within so is that code switching or is that like trauma echo i don't know well and i before we i want us to not do what people do when difficult conversations are available which is to get all epistemological because like we could spend the next 45 minutes saying is this code switching is it love is it whatever like i i would love to stay with how do we find ourselves in this group adapting code switching? Like, let's not worry about what we call it right now, because I, I think that it, it all fits in and kind of our, our arc of the season is to kind of say, how do people fit in the world? And at the end of the day, what do we call this? And in which ways do we find it nourishing? And in which ways do we find it depleting? And rather than saying like, when this happens, it's bad, but look at all the ways this happens. And Again, it comes down to noticing and, and the old, it depends. So I think it's worth exploring what is code switching and what is something else. Um, and I'm really curious, it really, uh, it felt a lot to me like when Carrie gave me the book Quiet and I was like, oh, I will be shutting up now. And so, um, I will be shutting up now for a little bit because I am really curious about um, what this brought up for me in terms of power dynamics and how how I fit into the whole picture. So um, yeah, I hope we can stay with like, how do we each observe ourselves engaging in this to be a part of the Heal Well family? I've always thought of this as, um, you know, before we get into, before we ever got into giving names to these behaviors and these, you know, is it linguistics? Is it culture? Is it context? I've always just called this as be, the ability to be a chameleon. Like growing up, I've always had that ability to morph myself into a different setting or a group just, and, and not different from myself, but just each different setting, each different context. And that's always something that I have felt comfortable doing and never found a loss of sense or a loss of myself doing it. And so it was really interesting when we brought up this idea of, you know, talking within ourselves and the, the conversation that happened in my brain was brain over here says, what? I don't do that here. And the other part of my brain was like, come on, this is me you're talking to. Please, of course you do this. And then my brain in my brain had this conversation about here are all the ways you do it. Here are all the ways you don't do it. Here's, and and there's no good or bad to it. It's just like, these, these are the ways that I interact with the group that I noticed myself or hadn't even noticed it until we started having this conversation. So, you know, thank you for this opportunity to do that internal work. That was fun. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I think human beings have always had this ability to be a chameleon. I wonder, and I wondered when you said that, Rebecca, I, I like the I, the image of the chameleon, Laura, because it's it is inside of the chameleon. The chameleon actually isn't taking something from they are taking their cues from external, right? But they, this ability is actually part of their body and their neurological wiring. And, right. you know, I noticed, I noticed a couple of things all sort of rush in at once um, when we talked about that. And one of the things that kind of came forward was this urge to be like, but you are, 
really sharp and clever and quick in my experience. And of course, then I was like, oh, right, <laughs> in my experience here uh, doing that. And not that that doesn't mean you're not those things, but I, I was thinking then, oh, so is this about what different parts of you get to stand in front? Uh, and so I just, and what are the things again, like what, how did we decide? Because clearly we've decided in an unspoken way, what is the dominant culture of this organization and this group of people? And, you know, is it simply because, is it because Cal and I are the bosses and we're from New Jersey and we are loud and fast processors? No, you know, just genuinely, what, what is it that makes a, a dominant culture become the dominant culture in any group of people? I'm really curious about that. Well, and my follow-up question to that would be, you know, I recently had an opportunity to have a talk with Till Lukau about um, this intimacy and, and sex and this conversation that we're having. And, and one of his uh, sort of like, think about this before we get on the podcast um, questions was, what voices are silenced and what are we losing by not hearing those voices? And I feel like that's the, that's the thing that made me like take in a breath, like, oh, it feels harmonious to me. And what, what is not allowed here that is undoubtedly valuable? Yeah, well, here is where I would love um, to bring in, in some way, the conversation that started that conversation, which happened in the community. Um, and I wonder if, um, Corey, would you be willing to kind of summarize that in a general way? Uh, yeah, I'll do my best. Um, so we have lots of really great conversations in the community. And if you're not there, you should totally come in um, because they're awesome. And sometimes they also kind of suck because you have to stand back and take a hard look at you and what you're doing. And if what you're doing is in fact harmful when you thought it wasn't, which is a, a big part of what the community is there for, is to make a place where you can do that. And I call it the internet verbal guillotine. So we, we don't verbal guillotine in the community. Um, it gives people space to process. And sometimes that processing is messy and sad and all, all kinds of things. So sort of where the conversation came down was this idea of us othering massage therapists in general. And do we other, in quotation marks, massage therapists? And who are we othering? And what does that mean? What does that mean for who we are and what we're trying to build? And in doing so, which we all agree we do, because it's hard not to, um, it's something that takes work. But when we do that, who are we excluding? And why and why is that a problem? Um, and we uh, sort of talked about the idea of um, being at the cool kids table, which was also a um, sort of mentioned as a trait of the Jersey thing, is being a cool kid and being witty and smart and fast. Um, and what what happens after you get that revelation, and then as both a business and a group of people, what do we do about it afterwards? Is that? No. So question of do we other? And the answer was, yep. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep, we do. <laughs> and now here we are. <laughs> and now here we are talking to you about it. And that made me think about when we were having that conversation, it was such a, um, such a like 1980, such an animal farm or like phenomena, right? Because one of the things that I was remembering when we talked about that is that I was originally drawn to these people who are now Healwell because 
of my experience at other massage events and conferences and continuing education classes where it felt like I was excluded and where it felt like nobody wanted to think about or talk about or feel the things that I wanted to. And that my experience was that Healwell was so welcoming and open to that. And then my fear is now, is it now like four legs is good, two legs is better? You know, did that, is that what happened? <laughs> Come to the Healwell birthday party. We'll put a star on your belly. <laughs> Yeah. Is it, is it a, uh, some sort of inescapable fate that when any group of people come together, they start othering? I wonder if it's something like implicit bias in that, um, this is what your brain wants to do naturally. And your job as an awake and aware human being is is to be awake and aware of that process and try to interrupt it in ways that support connection, relationship, you know, all of the things that we want to create. I, I agree, Rebecca. And I, I was thinking, um, you know, it's historically you see over and over and over human beings doing that. That's like one of the bonding rituals that human beings do is other another group but here we are in this group and it's i i agree i i do think it is an innate uh process in folks and it's something that we we hopefully should and have to and feel inspired to undo and just constantly be vigilant about and be aware of and, and how can we what can we do within ourselves and as a group and, and Hey, you know, we want you to come on this journey with us. And here we are today talking about all this, saying the quiet parts out loud. I feel like it's my job as the cynic of our group. This is part of my code switch. I'm going to not code switch. My true self gets to show up here and be the cynic. Uh, <laughs> I'm also concerned about massage therapists doing harm and healthcare providers and humans doing harm. And so part of the question to me about othering, a lot of what we talk about at HealWell is based in real and I think legitimate concern that they are doing harm <laughs> and that we and us uh, want to mitigate that or think it's important to do things differently. And so how does that play into this? Yeah, well, I, I, it's the messaging. I think it's the messaging. I mean, and, and this is, I think, part of what came up in, in the community and the, the hard conversations in the community and in our, our um, weekly staff meeting therapy session <laughs> um, <laughs> that it's, I don't think that any compassionate human being <laughs> would have a problem with wanting to mitigate harm. Um, but that where we run into the disconnect is, first of all, the definition of harm. But that's a whole other conversation. Um, but also in the messaging, like, is it, are, are we saying, hey, we're at this no harm table, <laughs> you know, or this, this, um, uh, you know, compassionate care table. And we want everybody to come to this table, come and join us at the compassionate care table. Or are we like, listen, if you can't handle the compassionate care table, then don't even talk to us. So it's. It, it, yeah. Well, and I, this is, I mean, I feel like this gets at the heart of like, this is the tension of activism that like you become an activist because you're deeply dissatisfied with what's here. And 
our challenge as activists of any kind is to not hate what's here as we work toward what we envision. And, and I feel like the conversation that we had, and, and oddly enough, the conversation that really like stirred this up was about, it was started about the Theragun and sort of like the use of tools that aren't your hands in your massage practice. And it led to a much deeper conversation about marketing and what inspires people to use tools versus their hands alone. And, and all of these questions about who's a good therapist, who's a safe therapist. And I feel like it's about messaging, but it's also about pace. And I feel like the anyone in the massage profession right now who is working toward what they feel like is a stronger, more promising future is mad, <laughs> is frustrated. You know, we get an email from NCB saying, sorry, we're not going to provide CE units for your healthcare and intimacy symposium because the material is not appropriate to massage therapists. And what I want to do is splash in bold capital letters on the website, hey, every other healthcare provider, 7.5 CEs, sorry, massage, we're still in the dark ages. Thanks, NCB. But that isn't, that's the short-term release my stress way to do it. And like, obviously I've just said it on the podcast. So in some way I have put it out there, but we talked internally about, is this how we want the world to perceive our receiving of that information? Like we're angry. We want to be partners with NCB. We want NCB to help us lead the way into a broader future for massage therapy. And they're not ready yet. And in talking with another colleague about, you know, what do we do to sort of get more people to register for our symposium from the massage profession? You know, this person reminded me that MTF I mean, and they're still struggling to get people to care about and engage with research, but they've really played the long game. And that there are more people in massage now who are at least thinking about research. I mean, there's another place where Healwell can get all uppity about like, are people thinking about it in the right way and blah, blah, blah. But like MTF just like stayed the course. And I feel like this is a, a, a real act of discipline and patience and love, which Rebecca really brought to the table in the conversation that we had internally, that one of Healwell's like guiding principles is actually love. And it's easy to lead with frustration, even if it's like an undercurrent, an undercurrent will drown you. <laughs> if you've ever swum in the ocean when there's an undertow, it's real dangerous. <laughs> so what do we do as we acknowledge how disappointed and disenfranchised we feel right now about what our quote unquote national organizations are doing and sort of what the broad community of massage therapists seem to be doing on social media. Um, knowing that those things are upsetting to us and continuing to share a message that like, what does it really mean to plant the seeds for trees you'll never sit under? And it's not immediately satisfying. I, I have many thoughts about that. I'm just thinking because where I live in Louisville, there's parks that were designed by Frederick Law Olmsted, which were basically mature now, like 100 years after, 100 or so years after his death, uh, not 100, anyway, many years, that he saw how beautiful they would be in his mind, but never with his eyes. And like, we're living the benefit of that. Um, so when you say that, Cal, you know, like planting seeds for trees will never sit under, it's like, oh, right, okay. I know what that's like for the people who get to sit under the trees. And the question is, is that enough? Can I make that enough for me to keep going today? And to keep going in a way that is, um, outwardly loving like you can you can be frustrated like have the undercurrent be love and express your frustration which i'm trying to do with ncb it's challenging i will say that but i'm, I'm just really hoping i have seen a little bit of growth since i started in this position with you all and it's it's not where i want it to be but it feels like it's happening so if i hold on to that 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is challenging when you feel like people are coming behind you and digging up your seedlings sometimes. Right. Like it's not even about waiting for them to sprout. It's like, well, get out of here with your freaking spoon. I just right. put that in the ground. Can you go do something else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have your dog pee somewhere else. That's right. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I wanted to say about your comment about, you know, like you can't sit at the compassionate table and kind of this thing, because we talk a lot about the sort of the quote circular firing squad and the idea of like the woke Olympics and this whole competition of like, who's the most benevolent or, you know, whatever the, the character trait of the week is, who can demonstrate that they, you know, and who gets to decide what qualifies. And I, I think it's a, that is a real human tendency to want to categorize and, you know, make it clear that you're in and you're out. And even though we talk all about the danger of in groups and out groups, like they happen and we got to like do spring cleaning sort of every quarter. <laughs> I've been really encouraged with the the in-person classes that Healwell's been able to hold this year and seeing therapists from all over kind of come in and we all meet together and hearing everybody's stories. And there seems to me a consistency of a desire to grow and, you know, grow their skills, be it, you know, the massage skills, be it the communication skills and also the, the, the growth within themselves. And I think for me personally, that's what keeps me going is because it's not just, ha ha ha, our work is done now. We've been able to meet with so many people, but it's then they take that enthusiasm that they're feeling and they share it. And so it grows exponentially. And I, and sometimes I can feel frustrated when dealing with an organization that I don't have any face time with like NCB, but then when I'm meeting and talking with individuals and hearing their stories, that's when I'm most encouraged to keep planting seeds and keep doing with my own internal work. Oh, let me, I'm here to tell you folks, it never ends. <laughs> and it's a great thing. It's, it's exciting and wonderful. Um, but yeah, I, I am, I'm encouraged. Well, and I just become afraid that what we're handing out are Cargill seeds. You know, like that what I want is to share heirloom seeds. I don't want to create people who are zealots at othering. And I feel like it can be such a slippery slope. And like that we've really now called each other in to soften any sort of sense of that, that like we can point out differences without making a value judgment. There are therapists who will never care about what we're doing. And that doesn't make them bad therapists. And it's real easy to pitch what we're doing in a way that says, if you don't want to come here, you suck. And that isn't actually accurate. Um, and it certainly doesn't invite people to poke their nose under your tent and see what's going on in there. <laughs> I spent uh, a lot of time with um, missionaries and I, you know, Christian missionaries and Mormon missionaries. And, and the common thread that I hear from all of them is all you can do is put your message out. And it's ultimately up to the people listening to the message to decide what to do with it. And that made, you know, a really big impact on me. And, and yeah, yeah, it's, it's, not to excuse us and saying, oh, it's not up to us to change anything because it is. It's absolutely up to each person and each person has to decide what they want to change, what they're willing to change within themselves, what they're act advocating for, being active about. And I, and I, but I think it's also uh, everyone has to be able to let go. And I know that I struggle with being able to let go because I want everything to change right now. And this is, this is my 10 point plan of how it's going to happen. And then just being able to let go and say, okay, it's now up to you. Go forth. How is it different than lying? Can you, can I ask a clarifying question? How is what different from lying? The, I, I, I feel like there's a slippery slope here. 
Um, and again, <laughs> Corey, I wish you all could see the the Cheshire cat, cat grin that Corey is now giving me um, from from her little Zoom. It's a really pixel. good question. It, uh, this is my 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 concern, and I guess this goes back to sort of the is code switching dancing or protective, right? when what's the difference to take it down to like the the micro level to go back to your example from the beginning rebecca about you and harry like at what point is it love that i sort of change how much energy i have around you or how i talk around you or whatever and at what point is it a lie mm. oh i see It depends. <laughs> oh! <laughs> well, and I wonder if we, I mean, here we go down the epistemological rabbit hole, right? Like it's lying, right? Like it's not what you would say or the way you would say it. Like in many ways, I feel like, like if I actually said exactly what I was thinking in the way I'm thinking it, on a regular basis, I would suffer a lot for sure, but my relationships and my like place in the world would also suffer. And so like, if you're not in a cave, there is a level of like shaping your messaging, your presentation. And it is about manipulating outcomes in some way, or sort of like, you know, I, I, I think the problem is sort of that lying has such a, oh, it's just such a bad word, right? And so maybe there's a, a softer, more accurate word. Well, and this is, and and we have jumped from the epistemological rabbit hole to the semantical rabbit hole, semantical, <laughs> semantic, rabbit hole semantics. Um, but, <laughs> but, it, but I mean, you're right. Like I, like Carrie has said on the podcast before, words mean things. Words also feel things. And that is, as and sometimes more significant than you know what it says in the dictionary that they mean so like I could feel myself when you said Cal it is lying like I had this knee-jerk reaction like you're wrong you know and I'm, if I was the if I had that in me to be that person but that's not that would actually be lying <laughs> for me to do that um because it's it's not it's it's maybe the definite the like the technical definition of lying, but it's not the emotional definition of lying. Does that make sense? Yes, and maybe this is we have a, a joke in our house that I'm homeschooled. I was not homeschooled, but I I'm real bad at lots of things that other people are good at, um, like you know pop culture and um, you know feelings, uh, and. <laughs> Which is, of course, not to say that if you were homeschooled, you're also bad at those things. That's right. I'm sorry. Just see, to be clear. see, right. see. <laughs> <laughs> but the the that that part of me, uh, I really, I do really struggle with all of this. You know, I, and I'm one. I mean, the the tangent off of this is that I wonder when Laura, you were talking, if this is the problem with being an introvert and the operations director who doesn't interact with people very much except through the computer um, anymore. Um, I'm very angry. I'm very disappointed in the whole world, in humanity writ large. Like massage therapists, you are just one part of what's pissing me off right now. And <laughs> I just, it, it, I do struggle when we talk about how do you change your tone? How do you this? How do you that? When these conversations came up in the community, I felt stricken the way I did when Rebecca revealed that, you know, or what sounded to me like she was about to say she couldn't be herself around me. And I was also like, you know what? So sorry. Like, you know what? Just like, get a thicker skin, pay attention, notice all the nice stuff I have done for you, blah, 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 right? Like, I feel like I really, I, I feel that very strongly. And I do, 
I do struggle with. It does feel a lot of the time like lying when I find myself in a position where I'm code switching into the, I'm really mad at this organization or that person or whatever, or I really am frustrated by them, or I do think that they are dangerous. Um, I, I feel like there is a big part of me that struggles with like welcoming that in is a lie. I think Carrie and I share some of the same um, instincts when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about motivation and motivation at many levels. So like part of it is the motivation of code switching. Why do we do it? And if it is lying, why are we doing that? And how much motivation do I need to do something, even if it's as simple as brushing my teeth? Um, like what tips over the, I should do this to, I am doing this. And with the code switching stuff, I think there's a huge chunk of it that is self-preservation. And I also tend to think of things in terms of resources. So it is saving some resources for other reasons because it's not like code switching doesn't use resources. It certainly does, but you might be saving yourself in the longer run. Um, I think especially with family, that's a big one because they're probably not going anywhere. So you're in it for the long haul and you need to plan for the long haul. But when it comes to what we do, I, I really struggle with caring about the, the population that I have labeled as dangerous. And not because necessarily they're dangerous, but because I have decided that they are unwilling to learn. And that is like the most offensive thing that you could ever say to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like deep down in my soul, that is an unforgivable thing to do. Um, and I've, I've met massage therapists who were in that camp and like, they're not going to ever look at a big picture and they're not going to like, they're just, they're not going to do a lot of things. And like the bias stuff plays into it. There's a lot of things that play into it. I live in Michigan that plays into it. So making the statement that like, we need to put love first and love everybody. There's this like tiny seven-year-old Corey in the back of my head and seven-year-old Corey was nice to everybody until she was not. And then she sat in the corner with her arms crossed and said, no. And like, that's, that's where my brain goes. So there's a place where my motivation stops and I don't know that I want to change that. Like, I think some of that reasoning and some of those thoughts and some of the ways I think about those things lead me to places that are important for me to go for the work that I do. So it's extremely helpful to have four other people around me to be like, hey, maybe maybe you should think again about how you're thinking about this. And I will think again about how I'm thinking about this because being able and being willing to learn is everything to me. But I'm not necessarily there yet. So there you go. I think uh, code switching is so interesting because it's all about our interactions with each other. And then when you look at interactions, are they transactional? Are you getting something out of it? Is the other person getting something out of it? You know, and that's just a lot of that is unconscious. But then other times, like thinking about your example, Carrie, of like you're really ticked off at somebody, but you know that if you let the floodgates open to let them know how ticked off you are, then whatever it is you're trying to resolve probably wouldn't be resolved. And so you kind of hold back. You know, I don't see that as lying. I see that as being as strategizing, you know, it's, it, and, and, but again, that's, and that's a, that's a, it depends, you know, you feel like it's, it honestly feels like to you, it might be more in the realm of lying. And I, I feel like it is, that is a, a process where you are getting something done and then you can go, 
in the corner and scream and yell and cry, you know, like whatever it is that you're doing. Right. But again, it's, it's different for me than it is for you. And that's with code switching it and, you know, changing ourselves, being the chameleon, whatever you want to call it. Um, goes back to that. It, it depends. And, and ha- what is authentic to you? And that's going to be a different answer for everybody, I think. So can you code switch and still be authentically you? Are you asking me or are you asking I'm the asking world? the world. <laughs> Lay it on me. Absolutely. You How much your- time do we got this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> well, I, I feel like it boils down to are you performing a part of yourself that is absolutely genuine and whatever, because that's the part that fits best here. Not because if I show the other parts, I will be unsafe, unwelcome in danger. And I feel like, you know, in the, my broad assumption that I will welcome feedback if this is incorrect is that in the heal well space, it is not that Rebecca isn't clever and funny and like able to say the thing that makes everybody laugh and interrupts the meeting, but that's not what she leads with typically. But here, that's the thing that she feels like sort of gets the most bang for her buck. If Rebecca brings the room down with a poem or a cute cat picture, or just like a, Hey, like it's going too fast in here or whatever. It's not like everybody goes, Oh, there goes Rebecca again. Bah! Like, but you know, so I, I wonder if code switching is when there's that loss of self aspect versus like adaptation is when you decide there's a part of me that if I highlight it, it will be more advantageous. Um, and, and it probably is a slippery slope between like, do parts of me just ultimately become unwelcome because I have so augmented this one piece. I think all the time about, since you'd mentioned quiet at the beginning of the episode, Cal, in in that book, when I read quiet, that's when I found out I wasn't an extrovert. I actually had to have somebody, yeah, thank you, Corey. Somebody had to tell me in a book. <laughs> like, and But because what she talks about is faux extroversion and extroversion is so rewarded in our culture that that lots of introverts have sort of figured out if I put on extroversion, if, if uh, the extroverted parts of myself get to lead the way, I re- benefit and reward. And that definitely happened for me. And it, I just assumed everybody was exhausted all the time. <laughs> um, and, and so, I, again, I, I think that that is an important thing to keep in mind, Cal, that, because I do think it was really hard for me when I read and realized what I was doing it wasn't easy to just be like, oh, phew, I don't have to be an extrovert anymore, right? This is who I really am. It took a lot of digging to like find those parts of me that I had basically buried or or had parts of me that I had told were unwelcome by me, you know? One of the things that Quiet says is that introverts become extroverts when something is personally important to them. And that's about the only time we do it. Um, and there's always a price to pay afterwards. And hearing somebody say that there was a price and that it was going to happen made me feel so much better when it happened. It was, yeah, it was such a change. So then it wasn't that like, well, I can be an extrovert in this situation. Like, why can't I just like, why do I hate house parties so much that like I'll leave in the first three minutes? <laughs> like, what? what's wrong with me that I can't, I can't hang with that. And finding someone who was like, no, that's because of these reasons. And you do the extrovert thing because of these reasons. And here's some examples of people doing it and making themselves ill, which you will do if you keep going the way you're going. Like, so maybe the lying line has to do with like how sick you're going to make yourself afterwards. And if it's worth it, like maybe, maybe it is worth it. Maybe you'll do it anyway, but what's, what's the price later? There was, when I went to Japan um, and I went on the JET program, which is the Japan English teaching program. And there was a community 
of expats and people who were all across the country part of this program. And there was a very popular song called Henna Gaijin. And this loose translation is Strange Foreigner. And the whole song is about this, this foreigner comes to Japan and they're doing everything wrong. They, they don't speak right. They don't do the right things. Uh, and, and this person just does everything in their power to learn the language, master the language, and um, just become the, the, the perfect Japanese person in mannerisms, dressing everything. And again, the, the whole, the refrain is all about strange foreigner, strange foreigner. And, and as the, the song progresses, you realize, wow, this person is just nailing it. They are the perfect Japanese person. And at the end of the song, they have an encounter with another Japanese person who's basically like, you speak Japanese perfectly and you dress Japanese and you act Japanese. What a strange foreigner you are. And, and so it's like, ah, you know, and, and it's all of, and my takeaway from that was, yeah, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to figure out who I am and be me wherever I am and, and what parts feel good to me and how I can express myself. And I, I feel like all these conversations are, that we're continuing to have about code switching are about where am I comfortable expressing myself and maybe expressing myself in one way in one context and expressing myself in another way looks different, but they both feel good as opposed to expressing myself in this context and it feels good versus expressing myself in a context and it feels bad and I'm not comfortable. And it's one is a benefit and one is harmful. And I think that's where we're all trying to get at is removing that harm that for ourselves and for others and inviting people into this conversation. Uh, like we were talking about earlier of massage therapists who, who do harm. Okay, that'll be the last time I bring Japan up. For ah, an hour. No. For an hour. More <laughs> <laughs> <Go> Japan. <laughs> well, and I want to toss in like a, a side note because I feel like we use words like harm. And, and I think that you're sort of, I don't even want to say your average person because now I feel like even that's like a judgmental way to describe it. But most people, like when we talk about harm, we're not talking about leaving bruises on clients. Like that's certainly one version of harm, but we're talking about the things you say or don't say, or the way that you appoint your space that makes a person feel unwelcome or makes a person feel unsafe or, you know, harm is often a much harder to spot thing. And I feel like that's the type of harm reduction that we're trying to really engage with at Heal Well is to really help you see the things you wouldn't see unless somebody said, hey, do you see this? <laughs> Well, that's, that's also one of those phrases that, you know, it, in a massage culture, we use phrases like harm or making space for and grounding. And as the newest member to the massage therapy community, I have always struggled with those. Boy, do those sound silly. And But the longer that I inhabit this world and become more comfortable with that language, it feels more authentic and internalizes within myself of like, yep, this is the correct you know, term to be using. And oh, yes, people will understand that. And, but I think Cal makes a great point for folks maybe who are not thinking about the things that we're talking about. Harm can have a different connotation for you. So we've brought it full circle to the, what does code switching mean? Tune in to the rest of the season. <laughs> so we can ask that same question at the end of every episode. That's great. We are consistent at EOL in that we have no answers, only more questions. That's right. And I do, I want to, I want to drop a question in that I think would lead to a whole nother hour conversation. So perhaps we don't unpack it today, but um, Clay, my son and I were just listening to a, an episode of the Ezra Klein show um, about gender. Uh, it's called gender is complicated. And he, uh, Ezra Klein had a guest on who uh, is a, gender studies professor in Utah, who was born female and uh, is still biologically female, but sort of grew up feeling like a boy, et cetera, et cetera, whole story. It's not really about that, but toward the end of the episode, they were talking about um, the idea of choice and how complicated it really is. And that, you know, in popular culture, people are talking about um, like so many more people are choosing 
to be transgender or, you know, that in the nineties, uh, it was really important. And even in the, in the aughts, as they call them, it was really important in the argument for gay rights that we make it clear that it's not a choice. And how can we marginalize people who had no choice that who are just this and that somehow if it had been a choice, you would be sort of less worthy of equal rights or human rights. And that, you know, the, his guest really did this incredible exploration of she is actually, uh, her partner grew up Mormon, uh, became like, was going to become a missionary, but said, how can I argue that this is the one true church when I haven't experienced other churches? And luckily someone within the Mormon church was like, that's a really good point. Go check out the scene. She did all these things, checked out these other religions, met a bunch of lesbians and was like, wow, they're cool. Like, I want to be one of them. And, but it, it didn't work. Right. Like, cause she's like, I didn't really at that point, I, I wasn't attracted to women. She started a rock band, blah, 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 did a, did a whole different thing with her life. And then this person who was assigned female at birth who plays saxophone showed up to try out for her band. And she talks about feeling attracted to this person. And so did she choose that? And the, his guest was talking about how without exposure, to all the experiences and people and ideas over the 15 intervening years from when she, you know, explored beyond the Mormon church to that moment that the saxophone player showed up, she didn't pick it, but had she never left the Mormon church, she never would have changed in the ways that made that an option. And I feel like this is one of the, the questions about, he does this great job at the beginning of the episode about saying that, gender is maybe even more queer for people who fit the stories that culture has told them about their gender and that people whose gender fits what you're supposed to be don't quote think about gender and are mad that people want to think about it right so when we say like well I don't code switch I'm just me it's like well what the hell is you like what you know <laughs> and like you know the guest talks about that we put kids in a cone of uh, in a cone of of sex and that when you find out how old or what a kid is going to be, a boy or a girl, you put them in the cone of boy or girl. And we say that it's this natural unfolding, but of course we don't actually let it unfold. We buy blue, we buy, we buy pink, we get dolls, we get trucks. We like in all of these subtle ways and not so subtle ways, we, we show you the way to go. So I, I feel like this fits into this conversation because you know, what, what does it mean to sort of change who you are to fit in a certain place? And the pressures of culture are so ubiquitous and unseen, I feel like it's really hard for us to say, I am choosing to be different in this place than who I am, but I never got to be me unfettered if I grew up anywhere other than a cave. <laughs> so I think that's an interesting question in terms of oppression and intersectionality and all of the things that I think we will find ourselves exploring this season, but where is this a choice and where is it something different? And is there an aspect of it that's hardwired and is that a survival aspect or like, what is that? And if it is a choice, why do we assume that that's less valuable right. than if it's a hardwired thing? Absolutely. Well, I think that will give everybody to think about until our next episode comes out. <laughs> and, I, and I hope we get the chance to unpack that question more um, within everyone's earshot as well. Yeah. Um, so any other final thoughts out there? Thank you for joining us for this very special interdisciplinary. <laughs> I, I promise to only cause an emotional crisis at the staff meeting once a year. So. <laughs> only if that only if that feels authentic to you. That's right. <laughs> about right. <laughs> it's about right. It's a good cycle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Heal Well Brain Trust, for being here and um, having this conversation out loud where people can hear it. 
Um, thank you everyone who is listening. If you have feedback or questions or want to share your stories, um, we want to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at healwell.org. Um, you can join our Patreon where we are just starting to post some behind the scene pictures so you can see where we're sitting and who is sitting with us when we're recording this podcast. And that is patreon.com slash interdisciplinary. You can continue this conversation with us in real time in the community, uh, community.healwell.org. And many thanks to ABMP for sponsoring this season. Um, thank you, everyone. Interdisciplinary is produced by Healwell. Our theme music is by Harry Pickens. New episodes are available weekly through your favorite podcast outlet. Uh, and you can send us an email at podcast at healwell.org. That's podcast at healwell.org. Thanks for listening.